Planes falling from the sky. Bank accounts drained to zero. Traffic lights gone dark. The turning of the century called for chaos and confusion, but what happened was more akin to an average everyday glitch. Was this really a tale of the government who cried wolf, or was the United States closer to the brink than we all thought? This week's episode is Y2K. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinister Do you remember where you were on January 31st, 1999? January 31st, 1999. December 31st. <laughs> also, but do you remember where you were January 31st, 1999? I was probably, no, I'm, I was in like sixth grade, I think. Where were you? So you for, probably weren't doing anything big no, on for, New Year's Eve, I December 31st. Hanging out with my mom, maybe my sister. My favorite Y2K memory was, though, when I was in college and I worked at Sea Dog and I had to buy... Uh, something like 350 bottles of tiny like tiny bottles of water for the crew and uh-huh. the passengers so i loaded up this huge pallet and i was pushing it through the grocery store and i mean she's just sitting there having to scan like every brand of water bottle i bought every single tiny water bottle and this guy behind me was looking really frustrated and i was like gotta prep for y2k no laugh. I got nothing. <laughs> How old was he? He was like a guy. He was a grown up. He was oh, like 50. Maybe it wasn't a joke to him. <laughs> he was like, I lived through that kid. You don't even know. This was probably in 2009. So I figured 10 years is long enough to joke about. I also feel like there was zero. You didn't have to. There was. It wasn't like too soon on yeah, Y2K. I don't think so. I think it wasn't nine eleven. If I recall correctly, my boss Elise was with me, and she just groaned. She was just like, "That's a terrible joke." But <laughs> I thought it was very funny. Well, I was a freshman in college. Okay, and was living in. Actually, I guess it was. I I I had finished my freshman year of college. Okay, and I was living in Houston at the time. With my dear friend, Sissy, and we drove down to Austin to party with some friends there. And I remember, and we were at our friend's apartment, and when it was getting near midnight, we all went up on the roof. Because you thought it was going to happen? So we were like, what if the whole city just blacks out? We're going to have a bird's eye view of the whole thing. (laughs) You're like the Joker. You're like, I want to see chaos. I (laughs) I want to see the the world burn. And I remember as... uh, as it started getting closer, first of all, REM's um, "The End of the World" started playing. Good, Soundtrack. and then as it as it got even closer, Prince's "1999." So it was just like this party atmosphere, uh-huh. but also this energy of oh, the whole everything could just go to hell in a handbasket in any second. Nothing happened. I mean, we had fun. Boom. We were having a lot of fun, but come come twelve oh one. Nothing happened. Did you do any doomsday prepping or not? You were a college Zero. student. Zero. I mean, I don't remember doing any of that. And on the way over here, I called my mom to ask her. And she said, no, I didn't buy any water bottles or do anything like that. And she was like, I've always been, which is true, a gl- an optimist, a glass half full kind of person, which she is a, a, a huge optimist. 
But she did say, because my brother was in high school, one of my brothers, and she said she remembered she didn't want him going out that night. That makes sense. In case anything happened. For so chaos. She made him stay home. And I was like, uh, what about dad? And she's like, oh, your father thought it was all bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Not wrong. My mom bought two gallons of water and that was it. And I was like, what if not? Like, what if my 2K happened? She's like. Well, I mean, we have, we have a, two gallons of that's water. That's what we have. My brother-in-law was one saying... One for me, one for your dad. <laughs> that's it. Your you sister can fight over the toilet. You fucked. <laughs> My brother-in-law said he went on a ride-along with the Mesquite police that night because he was a cadet. Like, oh, or, that's I guess, or he, Yeah, and he was in the police academy or whatever, like, studying it. And he said that they had... Normally, all the cops carry shotguns and only, like, the SWAT team will carry rifles. He said, like, assault rifles. He said every single officer that night had assault rifles that, like, the SWAT team was on. They were ready to go. They were poised and ready to pounce. And that he said people just started going home early. After midnight, nothing happened. There was a report of, like, one fight and they went and there was not even anybody there. It was just complete, like, well... Guess we can go home. But he said, yeah, everyone before that was like electric the energy, adrenaline, yeah. like amped up. There's going to be because if you think about it, maybe if all the electricity goes out, people may start like, oh, yeah, rioting, rioting. rioting. There could be mass chaos. Raiding the store. I mean, quite honestly, in East Dallas, I feel like every New Year's <laughs> is mass chaos. I'm like, why do we all have to shoot our guns in the air? <laughs> it's explosion. fucking midnight, everybody. You know, these bullets don't just keep going. We're recording. They come down somewhere. Today is December 30th. As we record, I was driving home in rush hour today. Not even that there was that much traffic, but like around rush hour. And there were in East Dallas, there was just fireworks going off. Oh, great. Yeah. Hey guys, in the city about two days earlier. Day also, early. we live in the city limits. That's you're not supposed to do that. And by fireworks, I don't mean black hats. I mean someone had a tube that they lit and it like shot something up. You would see at the end of a baseball game, exactly. going up seventh inning stretch in their driveway uh, about seven o'clock on a Monday night. So. My uh, Tommy's cousin, they live out in Forney, mm-hmm. where fireworks are totally legal, and it is straight up. It's like a war scene. We went over there one year. I mean, they're in a it's residential a area. People are just setting them off in their drive. Like everybody. It was, it's tubes. straight up dangerous. Yeah, yeah for sure. I was like, somebody's going to die. Somebody will die tonight. Can I tell you one of my like most like hick hillbilly moments? Yes. In high school, we got a bunch of fireworks. We drove my mom's Dodge Stratus out to Forney, which is, for those of you who don't know, is a rural suburb of Dallas. Yes. It's east of Dallas. The city in which I was just speaking. That's right. It's a free-for-all kind of, uh, it's a laissez-faire type of attitude because a lot of people have big ranches and farms, so there's a lot of land and they don't want the government to get their hands on their fireworks. So you can go <laughs> out there and take it. Come and take it. You can go out there and get your fireworks. My friends and I took a watermelon that we scooped the some of the goo out and we filled it with fireworks Classic. and then we did a line of black cats and went, you know, pop, 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 pop and then blew How up. was it? It was really cool. Satisfying? Yes. But then the the horrifying part came when we started shooting Roman candles off into this field in July in Texas after it had been oh. really hot and dry and a small fire started and we had to like run out and stamp it. Oh. Well, and, luckily it rained quite a bit the other day. So good. hopefully any fireworks that go off. Be juicy ground. For New Year's Eve, don't start anything. It's- but... That doesn't, unfortunately, rain doesn't stop bullets. The so everyone worst, keep your guns to yourself. No, the worst, even worse than East Dallas, a couple years ago, I was in Southside Chicago on oh, yeah. 4th of July and I, it sounded like a war zone. Yeah. It was just it's constant. I don't really like going out on New Year's Eve. I mean, I always do. And we have a show 
at Dallas Comedy House tomorrow night, 8 p.m. If you'd like to see Tommy and I. By the time you hear this, New it will Year's have happened. Show. Oh, yes. It will be. Oh, that's true. Uh, well, it was a great show. Last night, you had it was a, a great show. show. Great show. Uh, and then we're going to a party. But still, I don't like being out. No. It's, it's amateur hour. I keep getting ads for like the, the Statler Hotel is having a party. This club is having a party. This and this open I bar. Be caught dead at a club on New Year's Eve. I wouldn't be caught dead at a club I on a will die fucking first. Friday. Yes, I'll die first. Uh, sure as shit, not on New Year's Eve. There's humans touching you and screaming. I don't like loud stuff. I just saw Uncut Gems and that. Oh, my mom and brother saw it. It made me so nervous and anxious. The sounds on it are so loud and there's a big club scene and everyone's bonking into each my other. My mom said it was the most chaotic movie she's ever the seen. The it was great. It's great. And that's their, the Safety Brothers, their, their style is very anxiety inducing. But the whole soundtrack is, it was making me, I, I got up to go to the bathroom three or four times and Paris asked me if I, he said, are you okay? Are you sick? If I was ill or something. And I said, I literally just have to leave. I just had to leave too much and just go outside. And my I was brother like, ripped off his uh, nail oh God. during it. I cut, like, this right here. I picked the skin off my hand. I have a red spot on my hand where I'm I was gonna like, have to see it. I've heard it's great. And it's, Sandler's supposedly going to get nominated. So oh, good. He was, he deserves it. He was fantastic, but it was heart rent. Like, my heart was racing and then I got home that later that night and I watched Don't Fuck With Cats on Netflix. Which is, I Honestly, I'm going to stop you there. I can't even hear about Don't it. even hear about it. But also very anxiety inducing. Yes. And so I did not go to sleep for many hours. For those hours. asking if I have seen it, I have not and I will not because I don't watch anything involving animal abuse. But I've heard it's crazy and kudos to the people who did their due diligence and helped and and helped or did they got a lot of hot takes i don't know i, but if you join I haven't the, watched it and i don't really know if what you happened. join the sisterhood patreon group i got a discussion thread going on in there. i have not looked at it christy will not participate. I don't participate in it i'm sorry i got a lot of opinions about that though so join the facebook group well i we have a lot of opinions about today's topic as well <laughs> yes y2k i was 19 you were uh 12? 12, yeah. yeah. So we both remember this. Well, maybe I just turned 13. Okay. Yeah. Teenage years. Wow. It was a rough time. Well, <laughs> so it was 1999. <laughs> I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. 20 years ago, on December 31st, 1999, the world held its breath as the clock ticked down to midnight. The reason being, computer software that had been developed 40 years earlier. In the 1960s, when engineers first began to write more complex computer programs, they used a two-digit code to represent the year, meaning the year 1970 would simply be written as 70. The decision for this shortcut stemmed from the fact that data storage was expensive and took up a lot of space. So, in an attempt to save money and maximize their code, engineers eliminated the number 19 from all years. You know, that's his job in office space. Peter's job is he he's going through and making, he's going the, code through and making the corrections and it Damn, that, came, that movie so good does it hold up I haven't oh, yeah. seen it in years I watched it maybe three or four years ago I still love it I filmed love in Austin where I was on this very That's New right. Year's Eve you were there I love Ron Livingston actually the apartment complex I was at was one of the apartment complexes in the movie this is all coming full circle it's all a y2k conspiracy <laughs> it's all really that makes sense great yeah I love I, that whole movie is fantastic it's very good his whole job he describes it in there and he's one of these coders that the u.s so desperately needed at this time yeah, yeah this was a time where 
the nerdy IT guys that were usually confined to just a dark office that nobody wanted to talk to the became heroes. <laughs> the heroes and kings of the office. For a brief period, they were the coolest kids in town. The shining moment. And no one could touch them. Good for them. Well, the shortcut was successful, but coders around the world warned that this would not necessarily work forever. Paul Sappho, an author on Y2K, told the New York Times Retro Report that programmers used a shortcut because it was convenient and also because they never imagined their software would last as long as it did. I guess if you're coding in the 19, in 1970, it would be like t- the year 2020. You don't imagine what 40 or 50 years down yeah. the line and the shit you're doing today. You're like, people aren't going to use this. I also read this article that was really interesting about coding in general that coders cannot look towards really the future at all or they would never get anything done mm. because you would just constantly be planning for what could happen. Contingency, contingency. And nothing would ever get done if you're always thinking like that. So. A lot of times they ship code that they're like, this is going to break and we're all going to watch. <laughs> it's good for we're, now. Shit's going to go go haywire in a bit. But like we got to get the, it's it's fine for now and we'll fix it and we'll patch it when something goes wrong. But like, yeah, a lot of times you're like, I'm just doing I got to do what I can do right now. Just finish so yeah, this task. When they're coding in the late 60s, early 70s, they're not thinking about mm. What everybody's going to be doing 40 years from then? In the year 2000. Mm, would it even happen? In the year 2000. In the year 2000. <laughs> Probably going to hear that quite a bit in this episode. <laughs> Concerns began to arise during the late 1990s that upon the turning of the century, computers would get confused when the clock struck midnight on December 31st, 1999, and interpret the year 00 not as 2000, but instead is January 1st, 1900, leaving the technologically dependent world vulnerable to complete chaos. And we would travel back in time into the Victorian era. If that could have happened, Dope. I would say, put your pink fingers down, stop coding. Let's oh, all just see what might happen. Let's, do, let's get a do-over. First of all, everyone's property value would skyrocket. So you travel back in time, you can pick one thing to change, like... If you travel back, what was that one movie? Butterfly and, Effect? Well, it's like Dennis Quaid's in it and he decides to go back and tell, he leaves a piece of paper in the window seat that says invest in Yahoo, which bad investment. Oh, that is, like, um, I was just talking about this movie the other day. It is a very underrated film and it's about his mother. I remember mother. it was good. His mother was killed. Mm-hmm. The guy's, yeah, and he can communicate with his dad through that through radio the, that yes, he finds. Yes. Yeah, and his mother had been killed by a serial killer. Yes. I'm going to, I'll think about it, but okay. I know what movie you're talking It'll about. It's very you. good. Yeah. Uh, but that, so that was one. So he, he was able to send a message from the past, uh, you know, obviously say invest in Apple or Google or mm-hmm. whatever. What would be your thing? Would you stop, try to stop a crime like 11-22-63? Well, if you've seen the Ashton Kutcher flick, The Butterfly <laughs> You would effect, ruin everything. We all know that you change one thing, even something insignificant, everything changes. So... Mm-hmm. I, I disagree. The hot tub time machine effect. Lou steals Google and calls it Lugal, and the rest of the world seems reasonably the same, except for he's mad rich, and also he stole all the songs from I think like White Snake or Motley. Oh, mm-hmm. Motley Crew. Motley Lou. He changes it to Motley <laughs> Lou. So, I don't know. I'd be hesitant to change anything because it's like the monkey's paw. So say if it's a hot tub time machine rolls, which if by that's the way, the case, such a good movie. That it's a great. There's movie. no. There's no ramifications. Um, 
I would probably change something, you know, like, I don't know, the Holocaust. Or okay, that's very selfless. Something that would, that's very yeah, selfless. I mean, I don't need to be rich. I'd rather, like, save humankind. That's true. Save prevent a, lot of a genocide of some sort. Yeah, go back and kill baby Hitler. Yeah. Well, Grim. I don't know. Would I kill baby Hitler or would I try and... Would you adopt him as Would I own? try and uh, reform baby Hitler and make him be the artist that maybe he was supposed to be? And then the world was different. We have so mm-hmm. much more beautiful what art. What would you do? I would steal Google. I don't know. <laughs> call it Hoogle? I would call it Hoogle. <laughs> I'd steal Yahoo and just call it Yippee! So we're I'm both... A, uh, I'm going to call it Hell Yeah! We're both tech, tech, <laughs> tech millionaires and gurus in this universe that Definitely. we've lived in. And in yours, the Holocaust still happened. So I'm just saying, one of us prevented the Holocaust. One of us wow. is just a billionaire One of us now. is a piece of shit. <laughs> well, in 1996... News outlets like ABC started reporting on the Y2K, short for the year 2000 bug or millennium bug. Once this potential problem was given an official name, fear and panic among the masses began to spread like wildfire. It's branding. It's all branding. It's really interesting. I read this other article that, you know, it started as this idea, but once the media gives it a name and people can latch on to that. Bird flu. It's what's that like bird bird flu? flu yeah, or swine flu. swine flu, any kind of flu. They that's when it becomes like real to a people, thing. a tangible thing that people can latch onto. When all it is is branding and marketing. All all this is is a like a computer code glitch. It's but the title Y two K turns it into it's, a seething that entity. That is panic inducing. That is uncut gems panic inducing <sighs> for sure. <laughs> Well, Senator Bob Bennett from Utah first brought concerns about Y2K to the Senate in 1996. After that, a Senate panel was created in 97 and requested several government agencies, including the FDIC in charge of banks and the SEC in charge of the stock market, to provide the Senate with proof of their preparations for the coming disaster. Yeah, some of the interviews with uh, banks and uh, companies and some of these uh, entities that kind of control a lot of really important stuff. The senators would say, so uh, what have you done to prepare for any possible widespread disaster? And AT&T went, I mean, we did not nothing really. We hadn't really thought that that would happen. Mm-hmm. And it's a black swan event. Like, you don't think that it'll happen, but you should, you buy fire insurance for your house, not because you, like, think your house is going to catch on fire. Right. But it was horrifying reading some of these, like, Senate transcripts where you're like, you mean you don't have any disaster plan at all? Also, Black Swan, great film. <laughs> there you go. Another good film. Another good one. <laughs> I'm a big Natalie Portman fan. I like her a lot. Yeah. I asked my mom, was anyone at your office doing things? She's like, I think the IT people ran something. <laughs> like, but I mean, it was They were back there clicking. I yeah. I mean, I didn't do anything to my personal computers. I, I was a poor college kid. I was probably like, take it all. I'd love to start from scratch. Burn it down. Take I was all like, my debt. Don't take away my Napster. <laughs> Oh man, Napster. God, I remember when it was that unlimited first came free up. music. It was, it was awesome. Great. In some of the hearings on the subject, discussions about Y2K accelerated from concern to terror. In one such hearing, Senator Christopher Dodd from Connecticut told the panel in an alarming tone You wouldn't want to be on an airplane, you wouldn't want to be in an elevator, and you wouldn't want to be in a hospital. 
The panel also concluded there was a chance that up to 40% of the entire country could suffer power failures due to the glitch. Animators at the time were having a a field day because it would be a picture of the United States with all these little red dots and then they would bash a button and it would like half of them would go dark. And they're like, this could be you. (laughs) Also, do you ever want to be in a hospital? (laughs) (laughs) Good point. (laughs) It's a good point. Maybe if you're having a baby, like something, uh, some, or you're getting uh, your nose done, mm-hmm. something you're looking forward to. Do you want to know a really random fact? I've sure. met Senator Christopher Dodd. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he was at a panel with Barney Frank, and they created the Dodd-Frank Act, which regulates the stock market. And when I was an investment advisor, I met them. Christopher Dodd. Did you ask him about Y2K? I did not. Missed opportunity. I know. You should have made your water bottle joke to him. <laughs> he would have loved it. He probably would have gone over. That's right. <laughs> you should. You absolutely should. He was perfectly polite and lovely. That's good. Well, in 1998, President Bill Clinton addressed the Y2K issue, saying, Now, this is not one of those summer movies where you can close your eyes during the scary parts. Every business of every size with eyes wide open must face the future and act. <laughs> All all presidential impressions vaguely sound like Hank Hill. (laughs) I sound like Hank Hill. I can't help it. You sound like Peggy Hill. But then when you do a a man's voice, it comes out as Hank Hill. (laughs) I'm going to put that on my resume. Impressions. Hank Hill style versions of your favorite celebrities and politicians. (laughs) Hank Hill availed in presidential impressions. I'm so sorry. I laughed myself sick. Well, shortly after that, Clinton created the Council on Year 2000 Conversion, which also sounds like a Conan O'Brien sketch. That's right. (laughs) Year 2000 Conversion. John Koskinen, a crisis management expert, was chosen to head the new council. But as it was a newly made up position, he had little direction. He told National Geographic, The uh, president gave me an office and an assistant and said, uh, don't let the world stop. That is some... That is poignant direction. Statistically, if you watch any interview with John Koskinen, he uses that same joke. He does it <laughs> repeatedly. It's, that's it's his good, water that's bottle bit. Y2K jokes. <laughs> eventually, like, someone's going to laugh at it. You guys? Come on. <laughs> Anybody? You guys? Someone eventually will chuckle at that. But think about that. That's your, your job. And you, any job anybody's ever had, even and being a parent, someone's done it before. Yeah. It, it may be they can give you tips and tricks, but whatever. Yeah. This is just a fake thing. I do not like any kind of job without parameters. Yes. Or a, a re- my job as a lawyer, 95% is precedent. You say, in the last deal, we did this. Yeah. Here are the things that we're going to change. You're learning from your mistakes in the past. Molding it and You have examples it. from which to draw. To draw. Yes. But yeah, I've had jobs <laughs> this guy was where like, they're like... Yeah, this is kind of a new... I had a job that was like that. They're like, this is a new position. You can just make it your own. I'm like, I cannot. I need someone... Isn't there a binder? I need... I will create a binder so yes. the next person that has this job, which I did, yes. will have rules <laughs> You're welcome. to go by because I'm very much a person that has to have like defined parameters and, and so I feel like I can thrive. A list and a job description is the only thing that separates us from the beast in the field. <laughs> yeah. Just wandering around. I cannot deal with just too much freedom makes me, makes my head spin. It's unsettling. Yeah. According to Koskinen. The three major areas at risk for catastrophe were finance, air traffic control, 
and telecommunication systems. Just stuff you, you know, you don't use that often. The Holy Ghost. <laughs> Trifecta. <laughs> right. Holy Trinity. The finance, the air control, and the telecommunication. Amen. Oh, First, financial institutions were particularly at risk. Only recently had bank accounts began to be kept digitally. ATMs had become popular, and one concern was that ATMs would reset pins and malfunction, effectively trapping people's money inside banks. It's like, is it Zoolander where he's trying to get the information out of the computer and he's just, he's just, <laughs> just punching on it. the computer, banging the, on, on the desk, banging the People computer, like, it's shaking. in here somewhere. Yeah. Give me my money. According to National Geographic, another reason banks were so fearful was because of interest rates. Interest rates are calculated on a daily basis. If the bank's computers thought it was January 1st, 1900, this meant it would be calculating an interest rate of negative 100 years. It would be rich, everybody. Rich. Great for my mortgage. <laughs> it's, like, it's been paid off since before I was born. And they actually owe you money. Yeah, yeah. All Everyone's debt is... You're now You're now making money off of your once debt. <laughs> exactly. Fantastic. But yeah, it's the, stuff like that that you take for granted that it's completely automated that no there's not a guy with a calculator every day going well uh the prime rate is no, this and yeah. today it's weird there's a whole it was fixed and i can't i can't adequately explain it but a few years back a couple people went to jail because they were fixing the prime rate in oh it starts in england and then it's recalculated by several banks in new york and it's one of those where you realize you go, interest rates are a fucking scam <laughs> like this is not a thing. Yeah. The federal government sets them. Yeah. And I was watching CBC this morning and they were just like. I mean, that's the same as time. They're Heather. just. Yeah. They're just like. It's all set by somebody. Maybe they'll it's just. It's all a farce. Maybe we'll just change it. Well, yeah. uh, uh, based on what? Whatever we feel like, man. I mean, that's the value of anything. The value of money. It's a leap year this year. Made, that shit's fake. Who made a dollar a dollar? Who made $100 a hundred? Why is a hundred more valuable than a dollar? Or why is uh, like a diamond more valuable than an opal? Exactly. It's all bullshit. It's fake. It's all, I mean, that's, but like, for real though, that's how everything is set up. Everything was we just, just accept. determined by the white man and now we all follow it. <laughs> I mean, accurate. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. For sure. <laughs> no, I'm being 100% serious. Sure. Like any, I mean, literally like time, days, currency, anything is, did we just made it up. Yeah. What we, looks good. I was yeah. reading about everyone's talking about Adele lost weight. And good for her oh, for doing whatever she okay. wants to do. Yeah. But people were saying, she looks so much better now. Mm -hmm. And the harmful thing is then you tell anyone that anybody who's ever been told they look like Adele or reasonably resembles them, that they are worse. You know? Sure. If you're you, also telling Adele, if you ever put those pounds back on, you're not going to look as good as you do now. Exactly. It's like she was great when she was born. She's great how she she's looks gorgeous. now. She was great five years ago and she'll be great five years from now. And it's who not, gives a shit what she looks like? No. We all just care what she sounds like. Yes. And so, but, and if that's what she wants to look like and she's doing it right, that's fine. But that was a good point that someone said, what you've just done is put a value on it and say, mm -hmm. her before was worse. And the, yeah. therefore, anyone you know and love or anyone within earshot hearing or reading you say, Oh, I looked like that. Therefore, I'm the worst. I'm the before. And it's like, sure. no, fuck that. Who made that up? Who made up what's hot? And there, I mean, there are tribes and areas that we will never go to where like, it is not attractive to be models thin like mm -mm. it would be in America. Thick women who can bear children mm -hmm. or, or not. You don't have to be a childbearing woman to be a, a woman. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, they look at the curves and the meat on somebody and that's what's attractive to them yeah 
It was even like that, you know, before in the like 1900s. It was mm-hmm. attractive. Before like mass media messaging. Yeah, look at of- all the paintings from way back then. It was like full bosomed women with uh, fupas. Yeah. You know, rocking a fupa with a toga half undone over your tit. One titty popped out. That was what people jerked it to back in the day. <laughs> First of all, imagine. I just want to let you go on that rant because you're feeling it. You're so Imagine masturbating to a painting. <laughs> titties and peenies at the Dallas yeah. Museum of Art this weekend. Oh, there's always they're hell always yeah. there. Paris goes, could you stop pointing out every time there's a dick and going, hell yeah. And I was like, no, I'll never do I'll never stop. There, I mean, it's it's art. It's, it's art, Heather. <laughs> one of them one of them it's like this Greek sculpture and the <laughs> Oh, the Greeks love to get dick. <laughs> I'm sorry, the penis part is all nubbed off and there's just balls left and it's clearly Lost to the sands of time when I walked or up, or to the hands of time. <laughs> I, said, I go, somebody fuck that nub off. <laughs> somebody rub that nub <laughs> while they rub their own. I'm sorry, I keep I keep laughing so hard, I'm killing myself. <laughs> but he was like, I'm really glad I'm with such a a tasteful a art, art appreciator. And I was hey, like, you Hell. know what? That's the type. Of, what are they called? Curator. That's the type of curator they need. Yes. Somebody with that type. I'm of Like, life. guess what? Someone like, hump that nub off. What is the name of this exhibit? Is just dicks. It's yeah, it's dicks. Big old titters. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh man! Yikes! I digress. <laughs> How far afield we have gone? Anyway, the banks were fucked. Banks Interest are rates fucked, are fake. Yeah. Yeah, everything's fake. <laughs> In the body, world, the world that we know body is standards fake. are fake. Time is fake. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's all fake. One hundred percent. Another fake thing: the stock market, also fake. <laughs> but Seriously, it was, it was also conducted almost exclusively on computers, and the concern was that if even some of the programs went down, it would wipe out the market maker's ability to complete transactions between buyers and sellers. Because the New York Stock Exchange is the financial center of the world. This could have long-lasting negative effects. Experts predicted a 40% chance of a global recession as a result. It's true, though, because there's counterparties all over the world. And that's all the stock market is, is connecting people that want to buy and sell. And if half of the shit's down, I mean, you can't... It would freeze it. Talk about another uncut gems i've have not seen this movie let's go by what everybody said of how anxiety inducing it is but being on the floor of the new york stock exchange just seeing like footage of that in movies and real like life old just school with the paper and stuff. constant yelling and things going off and bells being rung and then mm-hmm. a gavel at the end to say it's all <laughs> what movie were you watching man i don't know wall, Wolf of wall street does that that happen yeah, i think Wolf it does of wall street great film by the way so good i would my dream is still one of my bucket list items is to go to the new york stock exchange i was just about to say i would love to see like the hubbub of all of that going on i would also like to meet jim kramer i would probably cry i love him so much he stresses me out i love him so much isn't he mad money yes yeah his i don't like people that even though i yell quite a bit (laughs) i i don't i don't want other people to do the thing i do people yelling Especially at me. <laughs> he does. About, he about things I don't understand. Because he loves you. He wants well, that's to what, help you that's make what money. That's a lot of abusers say. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm not calling Jim Kramer an abuser. No, I'm he sure yells, he's a lovely man. He yells happy things. He's an Eagles fan, though, so fuck him. Oh, fuck him. Yeah. 
I'm so, I went on a rant about if you're an Eagles fan, I'm sorry I'm, for you, not myself. I'm in a relationship with an Eagles fan. It's tough. It's tough. I'm, I'm sorry, Heather. That it's is, tough. That's honestly, the one red flag. I don't think I would have made it in a relationship <laughs> with an Eagles fan. I probably would have not. I'm not even joking. Probably wouldn't have gone on a second on date. On the very first Had date. Had I found out on the first date somebody was an Eagles fan, I probably would not have gone on a second it was, date. He told me like towards the end and we had a nice time and I was like, God damn it. But then at the end he gave me this like real squeezy hug and I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? He smells pretty. Well, next, Americans had to worry about airplanes. The FAA was warned by IBM that when the year rolled over to 2000, all air traffic control systems that included the two-digit year would cease functioning. Mission-critical air traffic control systems were all run on IBM computers, and the FAA began efforts to complete needed repairs. In March of 1999, the FAA told the Wall Street Journal that 88% of its mission-critical ATC systems were tested and expected to function normally. The agency admitted, however, there would still be malfunctions on New Year's Eve 1999, but those would be more akin to issues travelers experience at airports every day, like rainstorm cancellations. But you imagine, like, tw- there's 12% that don't work, and now you have to fly on that night. That is not a... Even though I'm on the majority side of the numbers, that's I'm not it's a fucking risk. with 12%. It's a risk. Not in an airplane. Yeah. That's... No takes these vaccines. <laughs> yeah, 12%. 1%, I don't know. Yeah. I, I want to fly at 100% safety rate at all well, times. Well, you don't. Right now, no, it's probably that's like... That's why a, I never go on airplanes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like uh, a 95-ish percent. Yeah. I like that IBM just goes, oh, yeah, by the way, we made all those. They're fucked. You guys got to fix those. <laughs> they're real bad. At least they're honest. Well, the fear of being 30,000 feet in the air at midnight was all too real for many travelers. Airlines like Continental were forced to cancel 20% of its flights nationwide, according to the New York Post. Yeah, I'm sure people probably... I don't just, want to be in the air. They were, Especially the widespread media coverage. They're not going to just sign... Like, unless you it was an emergency and it was like, I have to go see my family member or something. They can wait. Yeah. Wait till January 1st. Well, third, Senator Bob Bennett warned in a hearing on Y2K that telecommunications were particularly at risk. The opportunity for a breakdown in one place to ricochet around through other places is very, very high. And there is no identifiable U.S. public or private body taking the lead on the global aspects of the Y2K telecommunications problems. That's a problem. Yeah, I was sort of like, you're you're going to do it, right? No, he is. That one? It's the bystander effect. Yes, everyone just figured someone else you gotta, was. You got to assign someone that role or it's not going to get done. For sure. It's like in a... There's got to be a binder. Of, any kind of uh, stressful, like, tragedy, you can't just be like, somebody call 911. You got to say, Heather, call 911. Yes, you have assign to assign it. it because otherwise it doesn't That's get exactly done. That's exactly what the FCC thought AT&T was going to fix it. And AT&T said, well, it's the government. They'll probably fix it. Mm. It was just very much... Everybody so, wants to pass the buck. Who's on first? In July of 1998, the National Security Telecommunications Advisory Committee, another presidential committee, testified that... The industry has had limited experience with systemic widespread network failures. Meaning the possibility for outages due to Y2K would have disastrous effects as the specific companies, as well as the government agencies with oversight power, had never tested nor experienced something that could be as disastrous as Y2K. But how do you test for something like that? I mean, yeah. It's just one of those things that's, we hope it doesn't happen. If it does, we'll figure it out. Backup generators? When it happens. Yeah. I mean, again, just like coders can't plan for all these things that could happen. 
you can't plan for all these like yeah. major disasters. We'd never get anything done. You We'd also just constantly live in a fear-induced that's state. True. You're just panicking. They at least all need to have des- disaster recovery plans, which yes, they didn't yeah. really have. Them. No. After prodding from the FCC and President's Council, major telephone and cable companies, as well as more rural, smaller phone companies, began doing internal examinations and updates to their systems. But those industries weren't by any means the only ones that would be potentially affected by the Millennium Bug. Computer chips that monitored ICU patients in hospitals were vulnerable, as were chips that maintained function of power plants across the country. Regular maintenance checks that ensure safe levels of radiation depend on the plant's computers operating smoothly. A glitch in the system's data can potentially throw the scheduled maintenance off, leaving the residents in nearby towns vulnerable to dangerous levels of deadly radiation. Well, that's a lot to rely on a little computer chip. Yeah, I also, man. I mean, a lot. you might not have a choice, but setting up shop next to a power plant is one of the last places I'm going to buy a home. You know, my old boss, we would hang out and we would go, uh, like, uh, lunch breaks to, te- like, go and look at houses. He and his wife were house shopping. And I thought at first, I thought, well, what a nut. Because he would go, no, 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 it's too close to this, like, generator. You know, because they have those little substations around. But apparently they oh. do give off radiation at micro levels but i said it's micro levels he goes i'm gonna sleep there for eight hours a night every night and you're just getting doused even if it maybe you had something possible in you that it could make it grow you don't he's like i don't want to mess with that although the sad else gives us radiation the cell phone that's in my pants that we all carry with us 24 hours a day probably the phone that's constantly in my hand computer that we all have up right next to our brains and up next to our junk yep yeah, well, I don't like keep it in like my front zipper, but you know. But still, laptops. Reason- they say that if you're trying to have a baby and you're a dude, don't put your laptop right on, on your lap. Yeah, I mean, you also cook the sperm. Yeah, it's it, it the uh, I forget what it's called Mot- motility. The motility of your sperm goes down. Does that mean they move around? Yeah, I think so. They're slow swimmers. Yeah, you got slow swimmers. But yeah, I mean. We use microwaves, we use cell phones. There's so much shit that we all do. That give off. That nobody knows what's going to happen. To anybody. 50 years from now. Yeah. What is, is it? Um, what's that movie? Idiosyncrasy? No. Idiocracy. Idiocracy. Isn't that where they have the the tumors growing on their behind their ears from use of all the cell phones? Oh, I don't remember that part. There's some movie where... I just remember he wakes like up... like a satirical type and movie. And there's like uh, like pornography everywhere. That's a, that's a underrated movie, too. Also, Mike Judge, who wrote yes. Office Space. Yeah. Oh. And King of the Hill. All coming full oh, God. circle. Well, the United States wasn't the only country readying itself for the potential damage. According to Britannica.com, in Western Europe, the British government announced that its armed forces would be ready to provide assistance to local police if utilities, transportation systems, or emergency services failed. Then you get the good cops out there with the cool little bucket hats mm, and the sticks. Yeah, Brit cops. Coppers. Brit, Brit cops are fun. However, not all countries appeared to be concerned. NPR's All Things Considered aired a Y2K series in the months leading up to 2000. In one segment titled Y2K Russia, Michelle Kellerman reported that the former Soviet Republic had spent, quote, modest sums to change the two-digit year code. While U.S. officials feared a possible Chernobyl II, Russian General Vladimir Dvorkin didn't seem concerned of a possible nuclear meltdown 
or accidental missile launch. They're like, eh, it'll come and They're, go. The Russians are pretty, like... Fuck eh, it. Eh. If it happens... <laughs> yeah, Russia, we can handle it. Very laissez-faire about the whole thing. In that same series, NPR's Silvia Poggioli reported that Italy was the least prepared of all the industrialized countries, and that experts feared the effects the glitch could have on the country's hospitals. Yeah, it's hard if, you know, you're a citizen and you're hearing it from another country, and your leaders are kind of like, well, we don't have the money, or... We don't think that's really a priority. That might make you more panicked. I think the U.S. was definitely more panicked. We were than the center. But also, the U.S. had a lot more to lose if this were to, if shit were to go sideways. True. More dependent on that stuff. Yeah. With all these various facets of American life at risk, why not just go in and fix the bug? The simplest solution would be to merely change the year to four digits. But it wasn't that simple. In attempting to explain the Y2K problem, one news presenter explained it as if you knew you had to replace every single bolt in every single bridge in the country. You could do that. Finding the bolts wouldn't be difficult. But having the manpower to do it was overwhelming. Yeah, it's millions and millions and millions of lines of code. I mean, I get overwhelmed looking at the dishes in my sink (laughs) and say, tomorrow. Or like no emails on my phone or notifications. <laughs> if I had to put together or assemble a team or even be in charge of a little bit of this, it is so daunting and overwhelming that, again, you just pass the buck. No one's being assigned to do this. So everyone's just like, someone, will, Carl's in IT, right? Or even Carl will do it. You work a whole day doing it. You're not going to totally bust it's, your yeah. ass because there's still a 57 million lines of It's a drop of, of water in, a, in an ocean. Mm-hmm. Well, the Social Security Administration alone needed a massive amount of updating, including 50 million lines of code. The USA did not have adequate programmers to systematically go through and update every line of that. Companies began looking outside the U.S. to find skilled workers who could complete the task. Historians now look back at this time as the beginning of mass outsourcing of highly skilled technology jobs from America to foreign places. It was true. I mean, you need people... Either the people we had in the U.S. were going to have to work 24-7, or we could work as many hours plus overtime, but that still wasn't enough. Yeah. So you still had to just look out. outsource it. Mm-hmm. This was one of those situations where a short-term solution becomes your long-term mm-hmm. way of life. And then they say, well, those guys are doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. You guys want to keep doing it's that? also cheaper. Vastly cheaper. Uh, so let's just keep having them do it. Fuck it. Well, the task was clear. The amount of effort was daunting, and now it was the job of the media and public figures to keep people calm. What they did was the opposite. Home videos were produced to warn Americans how to prepare their families and survive the new millennium. PAX TV, a late 90s family value station, aired one such program called How to Prepare Your Family for Y2K. Now available on YouTube, the program shows just how Y2K was hyped to bring about an end-of-the-world scenario. The video's announcer called the bug a new menace on the horizon, a man-made calamity so pervasive that it threatens not only the United States, but the entire world. An older man on YouTube with mutton chops identified as Jim Lord, author of Survival Guide for the Year 2000 Problem, does not mince words. I think we will have martial law. I don't think we will have New Year's celebrations as we've had in the past because I think there will be troops in the streets. Man, you got to have a Jim Lord in this situation. That whole video was B-A-N-A-N-A-S. It was 
it, it may, I had just watched Scrooge because it was, I was watching this around Christmas. And at the beginning of Scrooge, you know, Bill Murray plays the promo where it's explosions and it's like highway shooters, yeah. acid rain. And I started watching this and I started laughing so hard again. I made myself cough and I immediately texted it to you because it is this, I mean, just scene after scene and this guy being like you thought that a hurricane was bad <laughs> just wait you, what Y2K. about 2k yes it really amped it up and then i googled what this pax tv it's now called ion tv but at the time a guy and i can't think of his name but he was this rich guy and he thought there was too much swearing and nudity on regular television so he started Same. his own network jk <laughs> Not enough. My favorite is the swearing and the nudity. <laughs> so he started his own network, and I think you can pay. You could have just paid to be on it. Yeah, uh, so, anybody can be on one of these stations. Yeah, they have that. Like Remember one, Rebecca Black. <laughs> well, yes, and one news, one new America, one news network or something on YouTube, mm-hmm. and it comes on the regular TV. And I did not realize until later you literally could just pay and have mm-hmm. your own news mm-hmm. show. Scrooge is my favorite holiday film. Same as my favorite Christmas movie. I just cried and cried and I asked Paris to watch it with me and he like was quoting like the lines out loud. It was amazing because he knew it. it was oh, great. that's one thing he's finally seen that you enjoy. <laughs> Except for all the his besides all the Eagles games I'm forced to watch. Oh, God. In archival footage on the New York Times Retro Report, one interview with famous American televangelist, homophobe, and sexist Jerry Falwell called Y2K's God's Instrument to shaken and awaken the nation and drive more people to church. He, like many others, used the hysteria around Y2K to promote his own agenda and causes. Oh, yes. This was very much a time in which... A lot of a lot of churches said, "Repent now, yes. sinners, or ye shall end up in the depths of hell." Yes, you've caused this, this and is a your lot fault. of people did start going to church more. Any kind of national tragedy or impending doom, there's nothing to get people in the pews like a good old get, national disaster. They say on the Blues Brothers, "You need a little churching up." Yes. Some media outlets even began to refer to Y2K as Teotihuacan. Shorthand for the end of the world as we know it. That seems wordy. Charlie Gibson said that, and it was Teotihuacan. Dumb. He said people are calling it Teotihuacan. I was like, no one's calling it that. Oh, you're trying to get that to catch on. Stop! It's not happening. No one's calling it. Stop that, trying though. to make Teotihuacan happen, it's, Charlie Gibson. It's too. It's too. It's too much. It's too mm-hmm. much of a mouthful. It's longer than than just saying the, the end of the world as we know it. Also, it's Crime Man Squad. FNC double time. What do you think? Crisis meters squad front and center double time twice as fast as you normally would do it. Couldn't you argue that it's actually longer? It's from the office. But it's like when you suddenly start trying to use all these acronyms, yeah. it's much longer. It's too, it's too much. The TV network NBC took the opportunity to create Y2K the movie. This made-for-TV movie, which aired November 21st, 1999, just over a month away from the possible impending disaster, Ask the question, what if they were all right? The preview for the film shows explosions, victims running from calamity, and various shots of computer screens beeping an alarm and flashing red. It's basically 2012, your like classic disaster movie, yeah. but with a Y2K backdrop. Love it. Aired one month before. I love it. It's supposed to happen. <laughs> the intro, the again, it's the the trailer is so good. But it's what like, if they were all right, Heather? It's exploding. Damn. 
Babies crying. Oh, that cats and dogs living together. Honestly, all of that and computers beeping and alarms going off. That's just my house. <laughs> it's your any day. day of the week. Yeah, I live in Y two K. I <laughs> stay planes, in Y two K. The planes haven't fallen out of the sky, but everything else <laughs> spot pretty on. accurate. Trade organizations like the Edison Electric Institute, concerned about the mass panic that the film could cause, asked some stations not to air it. In response, executive producer David Israel who had helmed many other horror, crime, and disaster dramas, cited the concerns as silly and told Variety, My guess is some of the things we say are going to happen might happen, and some we say might won't. It's not like Y2K is a big secret. Well, that's true. Also, everything in that sentence is true. Yeah. (laughs) That could be said of anything. Might happen, might not. It's like we made a movie about aliens coming to Earth in 2020. Maybe they will. Who knows? Some of the things we say won't. Other things will. I don't know. That's also true. It could aliens happen. could come to Earth in 2020. We don't know. That they won't. Why are they creating a space force? To fight the aliens. Good question. We're going to fight the aliens. But yeah, he was um, offended at the implication that he was... Uh, causing mass that he was doing he was simply profiting a, a bit unethical no, he's like i'm <laughs> exploiting a tragedy i'm not causing one uh well you know what he has a I'm point so wrong. he has a point the media's narrative that we may see the end of times worked some americans panicked bottled water companies saw their retail sales increase 100 percent. kroger reported that sales of batteries and pharmaceuticals were strong and that they had to increase its bottled water supplies to meet demand. Walgreens put flashlights and batteries on sale the week between Christmas and New Year's, with a spokesperson telling MarketWatch that the store was anticipating there would be an increased demand for these items, although we don't reference Y2K in the advertising. Retailers were eager to make a buck off people's fears, but didn't want to appear to be profiteering. You know, it would be ads that would say, Be prepared. Flashlights and batteries on sale the 26th through the 31st. Well, yeah, they're not saying Y2K, but on purpose, they know that there's a demand because of the news and they're trying to ring the register. Cha-ching. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Some Americans even went so far as to seek refuge in homemade bunkers stockpiled with the necessary supplies to survive the end of the world. In an interview with People, one such doomsday prepper said, If something happens and I didn't prepare my family, I couldn't live with myself. For a while, I really wanted a bunker. and then, You and Tommy both. Well, Y'all should get a bunker halfway between our houses. Have you not seen the Cloverfield movie with yeah. John Goodman? Yes. No, I can't. I don't well, want Well, you would have a happy bunker. <laughs> John Goodman, crazy John Goodman. Horror bunker. Good Roseanne John Goodman would be in your bunker, not Cloverfield John Goodman. He was so scary. No John Goodman's in my bunker. Is he bad now? I don't know. I just don't want him. He's uninvited. Uh, We're not I friends. Like John Goodman. I don't know him well enough. <laughs> The bunker is like, VIP only. I feel like after The Big Lebowski, John Goodman and I are very tight. So. I do love The Big Lebowski a lot. Oh, it's my favorite movie. Oh, I love him. A California man filed a class action lawsuit against several major retailers, including Office Depot, Circuit City, and CompUSA, for not making it clear to consumers that their products were not Y2K compliant. There were lots of lawsuits, lots but of them. you have to... One of the things that uh, they teach you in law school is just disability, which... There's four or five things you have to have for a lawsuit to be able to go forward. And one of those is you have to show that it's ripe. So something's happened. So, you know, you've been harmed. So you can't say you were supposed to warn us about this Y2K thing. Because he wasn't harmed yet. Yeah. What happened to you? Yeah. Well, my now if you say, uh, you know, I bought this TV and it exploded or burned, burned up or melted or whatever. But yeah, at that time, it's very premature 
just as retailers were trying to profiteer off of people's fear, people were trying to profiteer off of of the government and other other agencies because of all of the system. I mean, you see that the doors open, you might as well try to run through it. Mm hmm. Well, unlike grocery retailers, gun manufacturers were not shy about exploiting Y2K for sales. One manufacturer produced a special Y2K limited edition assault rifle. Other gun magazines advertised a free prize with purchase of a Y2K gun in an effort to increase sales. Consumers were warned by the FBI that there was no impending raid and no need for this. Nevertheless, Gun sales increased across the country. Yeah, you see this old footage from the you know late nineties or whatever of just what, soccer moms, yeah, <laughs> people. Yeah, I'd like a venti latte, and I'd like that Y two K special assault. <laughs> yeah, rifle. the cover of the gun I mean, magazine. Walmart has everything you need. The cover of the gun magazine is very brightly colored, and it's like free prize. Yeah, so. who and- are they? Free prize. That's a Cracker Jacks. <laughs> marketing to are you you're advertising to kids honey nut cheerios for a minute i thought maybe i need that i like prizes i don't for sure but maybe what's your free prize with that (laughs) what do they give you they're like uh it's a drum kit (laughs) (laughs) like okay i kind of do want a drum kit but i'm also gonna have a gun like it's a pair of rollerblades (laughs) (laughs) it has nothing to do with (laughs) no not at all it's not like a bunch of diamond ring god damn it all right a pocket watch a fine watch oh man one gun retailer in Detroit told a local newspaper, We're seeing people who I wouldn't call gun people. People have never owned a gun come in and ask for a Y2K gun. Federal records checks, which were required to own a firearm, saw a 16% increase in the month of December of 1999. One Detroit county saw its number of background checks double in just a month. They also made the point that one background check means one person, but one person could buy 10 guns. Yowzer. So it's not even a, it's, it's a measure of humans that are buying right. guns, but it's but not, not a how measure many guns are being bought. of what's been sold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Scammers also readily took advantage, calling bank users and asking for their credit card numbers. The fake representative on the phone would tell the unsuspecting consumer that once given the number, the consumer would be sent a sticker that would make their credit cards Y2K compliant. That makes no sense, but like, whatever. Also, this stuff makes me so sad. I know, for sure. they just prey on the elderly. Innocent. Who, who don't kind. understand how technology works. Mm-hmm. And they think, oh, I'll send these people my credit card number and I'll get a sticker. And that Nairobi prince is also probably going to need something. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's just those. It makes me so sad. When I worked as an investment advisor... There would be times we would get calls from our clients and would say something like, well, I need you to move money over because I have to, you know, write a $5,000 check. You kind of poke around and go, to who? Mm. Is it your kid? Is it a bill? And it's like, well, I got this letter in the mail that says if I don't, it's like, could you send us a copy of that? The IRS is going to come after me. For sure. And so nine times, one time the IRS actually did want $1,000 or whatever because she had messed up uh, some calculations. But Every single other time it yeah. was a scam. And it's somebody that's vulnerable and thinks, oh, God, I have to do this. Yeah. Other scams involved cold calls from, quote, companies who had reportedly, quote, invented the fix for the Y2K bug. Unsuspecting investors were then invited to invest and were promised big returns when the fix rolled out after January 1st. Of course, these were classic pump and dump schemes where phone scammers inflate a stock price with unrealistic promises of success. Then once enough people have invested, the scammers sell their shares at high prices, causing the stock price to crash, 
with the innocent investors holding the bag. It's his plot of the movie Boiler Room, if you've ever seen that. I have. Good yep. movie. That's exactly we've talked a doing. lot about movies. <laughs> That's right. We've had two weeks off. It's like, what have we been doing? <laughs> I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood the other night. Oh, nice. Great. Good stuff. Very good. The panic was real. Plans to avoid mass chaos had been put in place, and programmers feverishly worked up until the last few seconds of the millennium, rewriting code as fast as their fingers would allow. So what happened on December 31st, 1999, as people across the globe counted down the year, clocks everywhere struck midnight, and the government collectively held its breath? Well, nothing really. The only thing that dropped out of the sky was the ball in Times Square. Planes flew, light switches turned on, and nobody's bank account or hospital machines shut down. While the global devastation that everyone was expecting luckily didn't occur, a few issues did arise as the year 2000 began. Sadly, 154 expecting parents in the UK received incorrect test results to a recent Down syndrome test, resulting in two abortions, according to The Guardian. So that's a test that is very common for expecting parents to take. Mm -hmm. A lot of... A lot of parents decide if they are going to continue with their pregnancy after that. So to receive the incorrect information and base a decision on something, oh, the the guilt and just sadness one must feel after that. And you can, it's again, the lawyer in me is like, you should sue them. It doesn't matter. You, yeah. You would give them a billion dollars. I'm sure that they did, but it's never going to, and also on the flip side, there were several families that were told your, your child is fine. And they had issues. They did have Down syndrome. Oh, okay. So, so it, that's the only thing it tests for. Or does it test for multiple things? I wonder. Um, well, it's there's like a chromosomal test. There is a chromosomal test, and there's a test wow. called the Nuchal test. That I mean, I had it done too. It's yeah. very common. And they test for the the measure the neck of the fetus because oh. that's an indication. Oh, if they have Down syndrome. They also do like blood work and stuff. But you usually have it done around uh, twelve to fourteen weeks. So. You're still in your first trimester. Still long enough to be excited and, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. In Ishikawa, Japan, a nuclear energy facility had some radiation equipment fail. Thankfully, backup generators prevented any danger to the public. What a (laughs) terrifying 20 minutes that must have been. Are the generators, wait, are the generators starting? (laughs) They said the clock struck 12 and literally everything started beeping and flashing and alarms started going up it's happening fuck how of all the places to be too exactly they're like uh todd we need you to work the night shift (laughs) a nuclear power plant that's probably the scariest place you could be if sideways i think scarier arguably than an airplane damn you gotta pick one which one do you do if i I have to pick one (laughs) yes I pick nuclear power plant. I guess you could run away from that. Airplane, you're, you... You have no control. It's like, would I rather fight a bear on land or a shark <laughs> in the water? Bear on land any day. <laughs> any day. Because I'm out of my element in the True. water, same as the air. This, I can run I like out this of a logic. power plant. Thank you. I'm a critical thinker. <laughs> <laughs> I just and I think like... about this shit way too much. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, it's called crippling anxiety. Yeah, it is. Pre-planned it's all these. Generalized anxiety disorder. <laughs> and I planned all of these disasters yeah. already. Well, gamblers in Delaware were temporarily inconvenienced when 150 slot machines at various racetracks stopped working. That is the disaster that, we were all warned about. That is my Delaware horses. Zone 9-11. Right <laughs> trying to bet on my horses. <laughs> in Denmark, the date glitch in the hospital's computer system caused the first baby born in the year 2000 to be, 
to be mistakenly registered as a hundred years old. They're like, we have our first old man baby. That's kind of fun, though. We Benjamin Buttons. I'd be like, finally, don't change it. Don't. <laughs> we don't need to change that. That's that's a framer. I I'm going to frame that person. Years to count down. <laughs> Will also, he turn into Brad also, Pitt? You then get to say. Yeah, I just had a hundred year old baby. And everyone says, God, you look great. And you're thank like, I you. know. Thank you. And they're like, the baby looks great. Look at his supple skin. <laughs> you're He's a like, hundred. Yeah. A hundred. Can you believe and that? And they're like, can he talk? And you're like, what does he no. do? Uh, he has my genes. <laughs> exactly. And the U.S. Naval Observatory, whose job includes determining the precise time, embarrassingly had to report that for an hour or so after the clock struck midnight, their computers displayed the year as 19100 instead of 2000. Idiots. Of all the places. Yeah, they're the ones that make time. (laughs) They do. The fake time. They're the ones that fake the time. So was the promised disaster of Y2K merely a hoax? Fake panic and hysteria born from nothing? Not according to Paul Sappho, the author and expert on Y2K who told the New York Times, You never get credit for the crisis you divert. That is so true. It's true. Nobody ever gets credit for the stuff you see behind the scenes. For sure. You think that all the time. It's like someone getting saved or it, this situation where it was ma- massively could have been bad, but there was so much planning and preparation. Yes. That, yeah, of course it seemed like a, the big to do about nothing when actually there was a we would have been fucked but they took care of the big to do before it became for it to do exactly it would be like if you said oh well i don't see why you built all these levees around you idiot and then it flooded and it's like see the water doesn't even touch the house you're like yes because i built the levees i built them i built them (laughs) yeah i mean when you think about all the shit that i mean and i am by no means a government apologist but of all the things that like, ah, look at what's happening. Also, look at all the stuff that isn't happening that we don't even know, like, yes. almost did happen. Mm-hmm. Because there are thousands of people preventing those types of disasters every day. There was, I had a friend of a friend who worked at the NSA, and his job was monitoring the networks. And, I mean, he was high, high-level security, like, was not allowed to bring his phone into the work building, mm-hmm. like, that high. And they would see these attacks happening on the FBI servers on ma- massive bank servers. And his job was stopping all of these cyber attacks. Yeah. And you never hear about, no. it's like cyber attacks never happen. It's like, yes, because his job was to That's stop so them. If we, well, not him alone, but if we, the people heard about all this stuff that had been prevented, <laughs> no, we'd all be living in a bunker. No one would with John Goodman. Yes. We'd all be in a Goodman bunker. Freaking clover filling it up for sure. Because it, I'm sure there's so many near misses. Dude, something just got prevented right now. And now. And now. And now. And now. And now. <laughs> yeah, all the time. For sure. The Senate panel issued a final report in the months after Y2K. According to the report, the disaster was averted by the efforts of both President Clinton's special counsel, John Koskazin, and his team, as well as the massive efforts of private businesses. The total cost to avoid Y2K came to about $300 billion, with the United States contributing $100 billion of that. Whew. That's expensive. But when money is fake and you make it up and you yeah. just print it, who gives a shit? Yeah, when, you, when the it's people funny. spending the money or the people that print the money, the money has no value. It's valueless. It's all <laughs> monopoly money. It is. Yeah. Well, although there were no major disasters on January 1st, 2000, the preparations put in place had long-lasting positive effects. John Koskinen told the New York Times, 
that the systematic testing developed during the Y2K scare is the primary reason that the financial markets on Wall Street were able to open less than a week after 9-11. According to Koskinen, without the Y2K preparations, it would have been weeks before the financial markets would have been able to comfortably open. Which true, it probably they said it probably been in six to eight weeks. So that would have caused a. Th- there was already a recession after nine eleven, sure. just in general, just market fear and general stuff like that. But if the market had been closed for six to eight weeks, it would have been a global catastrophe. Catas- yeah, a global financial catastrophe. Horrible, horrible. This is one of the few times where everyone was communicating. Yes, with in in the preparation for Y two K, and Clinton even said, if we hadn't all been communicating with all of this. None of this would have been able to, mm-hmm. to to happen. Yeah, and it's it takes a village. His wife said that. Oh well, see there you go. It all came full circle. <laughs> full circle. <laughs> Just sticker on your laptop. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was. I like to. I like that he put it in that perspective and that we can see concrete results of not like, well, what do you just made a bunch of fucking disaster plans and nobody ever used them, whatever. No, we made a bunch of disaster plans. And then when another different, wholly unrelated decades later, the biggest disaster our nation has ever seen struck right by the stock market, they were, they were able to ramp everything back up. So I think it's, that's a good perspective. And who knows how many things with AT&T or other, the cable companies have been, Avoided because they had these preparations. In the Slate article, was Y2K a waste? Journalist Farhad Manju astutely points out, The computer bug reshaped the tech industry and the rest of corporate America in lasting ways. Y2K helped bring tech managers to greater prominence within their organizations, and it arguably sparked the boom in tech outsourcing. Manju goes on to say that Y2K has been one of the few times that the American government has taken steps to prevent a possible national disaster, rather than just pick up the pieces after one occurred, such as with 9-11 and Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, it is really... It's a really good point. It's spectacular that we know hurricanes and tornadoes and stuff could happen, and there's not more prep done for it, and especially Katrina... There was warnings from the Army Corps of Engineers about the speaking of levees, oh, about the levees. They straight and stuff. up said anything more than this. Than a three, y'all are fucked. We're done. So, well, that's probably not going to happen. Yes, and it's these. You can't, like you said, you'll be all living in a bunker if all you do is worry about black swan events. But in a case of New Orleans is a city that frequently gets hit by hurricanes. That's not really a black swan event. It may be an outlier, but it's not. Black Swan is like a thing that will never, ever happen, but then sometimes happens. And same with like 9-11. But now, of course, afterwards, we prepared, you know. But at the time, this Y2K was just something that it seemed unrealistic, like it would never happen. But I think that we were relatively close, if not having a disasterful catastrophe, but at least having traffic lights go out. or And now, and if you, I know at least in Dallas, and y'all can DM us if it's in your city, if you see those little nubs at intersections where there are traffic lights, there are these red rubber nubs, and those were for city. The patrol could come through and stick um, stop signs on them, so they like pre-installed stop sign holders in case all the traffic lights were going to go out during Y two K. Yeah, it was part of the Y two K initiative, and so now whenever you are driving around and the traffic lights out and there's little stop signs stuck in the posts, there you they go. were already sitting there. So it's stuff that isn't that weird that. That those hadn't already been put in. Yeah, and it's something. Stoplights go out for whatever reason. Well, and you wonder if the city said, you know, we really don't have the money, and the federal government said, okay, well, here's a grant from our Y two K bucket. Like, well, it's like I need my house painted. 
do I want to spend the money on it? No. If somebody else had gave me a huge loan, or if, I'd like, get my house a painted. A bunch of hail came and they said, well, now we'll pay for you to get your yeah. house painted. You're like, like okay. Oh, I could use a new roof. Yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Yeah. So, I mean, and it, I think it ended up helping. But that was a really good point that he made that this was one of the few times that we worked to prevent something In instead forward. of just being like, well, that happened. Now we got to do all the cleanup damage. Yeah, proactive, not reactive. While changing the year to four digits may have prevented any Y2K catastrophes, it has only put a Band-Aid on the problem for the next 8,000 years. <laughs> when the year 10,000 rolls around, the same problem will resurface as computers attempt to subtract 9,000 from 0000. However, since robot overlords will rule the planet by then, it probably won't be as big of an issue as it was in 1999. Perhaps a more imminent problem is the date bug in the Unix and Linux operating systems that will rear its ugly head come 2038. In these systems, time is stored as the number of seconds that have passed since January 1st, 1970, an arbitrary date chosen by programmers. As explained in an article by Slate, if you save a document at 2.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, on June 2nd, 1986, Unix would have given it a time of 518-090-700. However, come January 19th, 2038, or 214-748-3647, there won't be enough space left to store the next second. 214-748-3648. Similar to Y2K, the concern, once again, is that the code may assume that the current time is actually negative. But not to worry, programmers and engineers are already hard at work fixing this bug, and life as we know it should barely skip a beat. So it's good. I guess, again, we had our Y2K problem, and now they thought, well, shit, when can this happen again? Yeah. They took a look at other programs mm -hmm. and said, oh, yeah, this is actually written into a lot of code that we use. So Let's start now. We're years, 18 years ahead of it at this point. Well, perhaps the biggest takeaway from the Y2K scare is how utterly dependent we all are on technology. People lose their minds when Instagram or Facebook is down for a few hours. Imagine for a moment if any of the terrifying Y2K scenarios had actually come true. How would we cope without the use of modern transportation? In a financial world ruled by plastic, how would non-cash-carrying citizens pay for goods and services? And while cell phones were certainly around in 1999, the repercussions a global telecommunications outage would produce in today's world would be astronomical. Yeah, we'd be done so. Dude. Um, when, literally, when Instagram goes down, the fucking internet is ablaze with, oh, when's it going to be back up? Like, I can't check my photos. What am I going to do? <laughs> I can't I can't share to my stories. Same Facebook, yeah. Everybody loses their mind. If you didn't, couldn't use your phone, even for, say... Say your phone's out of commission for eight hours. I can tell you when my phone goes out of commission is at the Albertsons, the one in that, Linda? that you defiled. Yes. The back Mine does too. The back of the store, anything past the front register area. Also targeted mesquite. Oh, see, I don't, I mean. My, my phone won't work there. <sighs> it's there's like, also. It's, a, it's your own personal Y2K. <laughs> there's a dead spot in, in Lakewood because I was driving there today. What the hell? And all, yeah. So there, are, but, and when that happens. Panic you feel that panic. You do yes. feel that panic rise yes. in you because your GPS goes out or your Spotify all of a sudden isn't working. <laughs> I can't listen to my audio books. Yeah. So you, but you, you assume, oh, it's going to come right back on. For sure. But then as time starts to pass, how much time goes by before you're like, wait, I can't call someone. I can't text. What, what's, mm -mm. 
how am I supposed to get in contact with anyone? Nobody has a landline. No. You got to drive my your mom, ass over to somebody's house. Technically, to see my mom, what's going on. she kind of has a landline, but it's over the internet. So it's like landline. So if the internet was down, then she, she fucked your phone doesn't work. No. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it would be a stop down. People I, would not know how to function. It would, I, I think, honestly, the next major terrorist act is not going to be plane flies into a building 9-11 style i think it will be cyber terrorists yes like uh the diehard movie with timothy oliphant where he hacks basically hacks the system the system which is like not a thing but hacks into the sufficient different areas to shut down traffic lights because they're all computer so it's cars are just mass chaos Mm -hmm. gridlock shuts down all the cell phones and then shuts down atc so flights can't go and it i mean it just pumped the brakes on the whole yeah and that's when you get, I mean, when I, I've been in several hurricanes where traffic lights were out, no one had power, all of that stuff. Curfews are instilled. Yes. Like you can't leave your house mm-hmm. after dark. You're not allowed to drive. It would be like martial law would basically be instilled because you can't leave your house. I would be fully isolated because I couldn't, the work is the only place I have a landline. I couldn't get a hold of you. I couldn't get a hold of my mom. I couldn't get a hold of you Paris or Shannon. You and call everyone. Yeah, pretty but much. But then how are you? Nobody I can't call them. Calling. They all have cell we phones. We don't have, yeah, we yeah. don't have landline. Yeah, you, this is why we all need a meetup point. <laughs> we, we need all, a plan. We all pick a point where if something like this goes down, we all meet. We're all meeting at the comedy house. Okay. There's a really big patio. There's there plenty, is. We could all hang out out there. Plenty of space. There's lots of picnic tables. Yes. And if there was some sort of disaster, there's a couple of windowless rooms in the center. That's true. We'd be safe. So, Amanda, that's where we're going. <laughs> As of, if there's a tragedy, we're heading to the comedy house. Well, satirical CBC radio show, This Is That, aired a segment in which documentarian Peter Oldring interviewed Norman Feller, a member of the 15-year preppers a doomsday group that believed Y2K would wreak such havoc on the world that it would take 15 years for the planet to once again be inhabitable. Norman Feller, great name. Yeah, very good. As the humorous fake news story goes, Norman took to his backyard underground bunker on December 31st, 1999, and remained there for the next 14 years. When asked why he surfaced when you're shy of his group's plan, Norman replied, 15 years is a really long time. He goes on to describe how he would reenact plays with his pillow to pass the time and that he can recite Angela's Ashes verbatim, one of the few movies he took with him to wait out the apocalypse. That's not one I would take. That's not a bunker movie. (laughs) So depressing. (laughs) It's not a bunker movie. To reiterate, this is all satire. This whole, but when Norman finally emerged from the safety of his underground lair, he discovered the world hadn't ended and I'd basically wasted 14 years of my life. However, Norman's solitude had allowed him to reflect on his own life and gain a deeper understanding of others. What I've learned is that people need to stop living like the world is going to blow up and end. While the character Norman Feller is not real, the hysteria and anxiety he represents most certainly is, as are the poignant lessons he learned along the way. So, this New Year's Eve, as you count down the last seconds of the decade and kiss your loved ones on the lips at the stroke of midnight, take a moment to be grateful for the world as we know it. Stop worrying so much about the tragedies that could happen, and instead, in the words of Norman Feller, start prepping for the possibility that the planet could live forever. Probably not going to happen, but nice <laughs> to think about. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we've learned with the uh, the climate change, we're not going to live yeah, forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the next we're catastrophe. All, we're all living on a ticking time bomb. <laughs> we're on borrowed time. But it's uh, it's nice to 
to think that one would spend, and that's a really funny interview to listen to the, this is that segment where they fake interview him. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really funny bits. Um, one that he didn't allow his wife to go in the bunker. <laughs> so she just leaves him. During the um, and that he's, uh, He's most excited when he gets out that Pizza Hut has a new crust that has a hot dog in the crust. Oh, hell yeah. And I'm like, honestly, same. <laughs> if I've been in a bunker for 14 years and emerge, I'd be like, well, that's fucking ingenious. Thank you took God. a hot dog and you took... It's like when I went to New York with a bunch of friends and we all created the Slam Dog. Oh, that's right. Where you put a New York hot dog in a in, in the middle of a slice of New York pizza, roll it up, you got a Slam Dog. That's a cheesy blaster. Take a hot dog, stuff it with some jack cheese, roll it in a pizza. You got cheesy blasters. Is that from uh, 30, Rock? 30 Rock? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the meat cat flies away on his magic skateboard. <laughs> Bye, meat cat. That's awesome. Slam dog. It was good. It was good. That sounds awesome. It was really good. Well, so what do we think? I think that John Koskinen, not only, he's not just pat himself on the back. I think he's right that this has at least set the ground, the floor, the blueprint, whatever you want to call it, for other disaster scenario. He also took a job that was not a job. No. <laughs> it was just something. There were no binders. Yeah. It was zero binders. And he made a huge binder. Yes. For lots of people to now use. Yes. And that is a thankless job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't know his name before this. No. And held people accountable. And, you you know, you were saying earlier in the bystander effect, you have to say, AT&T, you're going to do these things. Yeah. IBM, FAA, you're going to do these things. And we, President Clinton was right to appoint him. Because we needed somebody to be the designator, right? Somebody we needed the assigner. Absolutely. Well, you think anything's going to happen? This is going to come out. 20 years. 20 years, you mean? In, in, no, tomorrow. Oh, yeah. This comes out on This will come out on Day. January 1st. Well, midnight. Oh, the stroke of midnight. It will. <sighs> Happy New Year's, Happy everybody. New Year, 2020. Uh, do I think anything's going to happen? No. 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 It's going to be just boo. I, Except for the pow, pow, pow in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. That, that will I happen. Mean, I will hear gunfire in my sure. neighborhood. It won't be any riots. 100%. It's funsies. It's funsy gunsies. Yeah. Funsy gunsies. <laughs> it's all funsy gunsies till somebody gets hit up dead with a bullet. I feel like that happened like maybe 10 or 20 years ago where it was out in one of those east suburbs and somebody was shooting up in the air and the bullet came down and hit a guy. Yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah, it's really I'll serious. see on my next door, like, we found a bullet lodged in our garage door. God. Because, I mean, they come down somewhere. They ha- yeah, they have to. They got to come down. Gravity style. Do you think anything's going to happen? No, I don't think so. I, I mean, I rarely think things are going to happen. So, <laughs> so, I mean. You worry about them, but you don't think they'll happen. Yeah, uh, that's how my anxiety manifests itself. I love it. I just prepare for the worst and then. Expect nothing. Ex- yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, um, <laughs> but I hope everyone has a happy and fruitful new year. Yes. New uh, year, same you. You're great just as you are. Anything you want to do, you can do it and achieve it. I get worried at the new year that people are like, wow, it was a real fat sack of garbage they, in I mean, 2019. That's, they do. That's why cool. you see all these resolute. That's why gym memberships skyrocket. Yes. Everyone starts going back to yoga, starts going to the gym, mm-hmm. making all these healthy changes. Just take care of yourself. You're great as you are. Make do whatever change. Around, then you don't have to it's resolve true. anything come, come the new year. Absolutely. Also, Live slovenly if you want. It's <laughs> exactly. your life. Do whatever you want. Wallow in it, man. Don't let the made up fucking society that yes. says it's all you fake. gotta look a certain way. And you know what else is fake? The New Year being New Year. It's January first. Just, just so another day. It's you know, the only thing not fake is how 
is is you. That's right. It's you, you guys. You're real. You're We're the real. Only real thing. <laughs> I was just feeling. I'm getting a lot of ads, you know, of like food prep and meal planning. This is the and time. Tis now the that, season. And a ton of like video, uh, you know, sign up for this subscription service and we'll show you workout videos and stuff like that. And it's just like, you know, that's you're pushing a false narrative. Absolutely. I've barely been on social media lately. So I'm glad. Feels good. If I, I'm sure I'll get a bunch of shit like that. Although I was on the other day and I think I did see that bra. Because my phone was listening to us about that sports bra. Oh, zippy in the front sports bra? Mm-hmm. Big titty sports bra. Yeah. Hell yeah. BTSB. That's right. <laughs> That's Copyright. an acronym that does work. Copyright. <laughs> While everything's fake. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Sinisterhood will always remain free. But if you wish to donate to our Patreon to help offset the costs of making and hosting the show, you can visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Patreon in the top right corner. You'll get some sweet perks like Patreon-exclusive content, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group, a special shout-out on the show, and a monthly bonus mini-sode. We've also been recording super fun things called a mix bag, where Christy and I will take turns bringing three things. It could be a book, movie, TV show, news article, and sharing it with the other person. Yes, look for a new one to come out in the next day or so. It's one of my favorite things that we Super do. Super fun. I just love sharing things with you. Oh, and I, was so, I do you know, too. We like to text all the time, but sometimes it's nice to, to be able to chat in yes. person about fun things. And share it with you guys, yeah. too. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you supporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool swag of your own, like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click shop in the top right corner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. And we want to say a special thanks to Morbid, a true crime podcast, who gave us an awesome shout out on their latest episode. They are amazing. They're one of the best in the business. And we are so flattered. And we love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at on social media? I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. Heather? I am on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves and keep it greedy. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shout outs. Sherry LeBlanc. Renee Wilbanks. Jalen. Lily Espy. Sarah Boucher. Daniel Webb. Jacques Burris. Maggie Hole. Paige A. Thomas Suffel. Paula Lowe. Rhiannon Walker. Samantha Alexander. Erica Barcott. Faith. Brianne Engel. Haley Rogers. Candace Johnson. SRS BSNS or Lacey Milson. Kristen Oster. Caitlin Matherly. Danae. Angela Kumar. Megan Cook. Devin. Sally, Annie, and Aaron Ravenos. Samantha Daigle. Tammy Henricks. Christina D. Kimberlin. Ashley Hostetter and Jess Woodson. We really appreciate you supporting the show, y'all. We could not do it without you. Be sure to check out Patreon and get uh, take advantage of all of your perks. Yes, and apologies if we mispronounced anybody's name. We love you. Just we love you just the same, and we hope you love us just the same. Keep it creepy. Mwahaha. Sinister. Who-